0: Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.
1: Hey, it's Doug Gottlieb. You know, our trusted partner, Tirec.com, for fast, free shipping, free roadhouse protection, convenient installation options, and their great selection of the best tires. Like the highly consumer-rated Kumo Majesty 9 Solus TA91. But did you know they sell other automotive products? Wheels, brakes, suspension, just to name a few. Everything you need to elevate your drive, simply go to TireRack.com slash sports. TireRack.com, so way tire buying should be. Boom, up America. Doug Gottlieb show, Fox Sports Radio. Coming to you from the city of Angels, home of John Ramos' undefeated, undisputed best team in the NFC, the LA Rams, who got an absolute gift from Pete Carroll because Sean McVay was going to go all Jason Garrett late in that game. More on that to come. Chargers beat the Raiders because the Raiders suck. Whether they have more home fans than the Chargers and Carson, it doesn't matter. Chargers, probably the best 3-2 and team in the league. But once again, a missed extra point, you start scratching your head. Missed kicks, I can't recall more missed kicks. Makeable kicks. Mason Crosby misses not one, not two, not three, not four. Five kicks, four field goals, and an extra point. What? Man, we got a lot to get to. Major League Baseball. Braves fight off the Doyers because uh, they can't field an easy fly ball with two outs and ends up sparking a five-run inning. So you get a little Kuna Matata. Grand slam. The Rockies are already out of the playoffs. Like, what? And I still don't know why Major League Baseball is choosing to play games on Sundays against the NFL because I'm guessing many of you are like, wait, they had baseball games yesterday? Yeah, they did. That's okay, we'll get to some baseball. Let's talk some football. There's a bunch of expressions that I have learned and taken from my colleagues. People I like, people I respect. Um, The one that Chris Carter gets credit for, which is, by the way, accurate, is you got to have a fall guy. right? That was a good one. You got to have a fall guy. But by, by saying you got to have a fall guy to, I believe, it was the Rookie Symposium back in the day, and that ended up getting... Broadcast wasn't supposed to be broadcast was actually on the NFL's website for like a year before people like, oh, you can't say that. It's one of those. You can say the truth. You just got to be careful where and to who you say the truth. Which is what I guess defenders of Odell Beckham Jr. Would be saying now what I will tell you is the absolute positive truth. And I'm once again going to take from my good pal Chris Carter. Who he can he can walk it and he can talk it because he's lived it. He nearly drank himself out of the NFL and that had an incredible resurgence and became a hall of fame player. Now he's a a broadcaster, but I'll never forget this saying. And it's about guys that get drafted in the NFL that have checks against them, marks against them. And he says, and this is a great point. point money doesn't make you something money. Doesn't change. You makes it more of who you are. And there is no, more obvious person to point that out than Odell Beckham Jr. Look, the Giants' offseason was a complete joke. It was a joke. They had a chance to draft a quarterback with the second pick in the draft. And as many will tell you, and history tells you, they almost never draft in the top five of the draft. And oh, yeah, by the way, Sam Darnold, who many people, myself included, believe was the best quarterback prospect fell to them at number two. Additionally, they could have stuck a dagger in the heart of the team that shares the stadium with them, the Jets, who moved three first-round picks, second-round picks, and traded first-round picks to sit behind them at the third pick. But an effort to protect Eli Manning, because they thought he still had gas in the tank, they hired Pat Shermer, who's an offensive guru, They chose to draft a running back instead of drafting a quarterback. And they, of course, rightfully tried to fix their offensive line, which was a disaster. And, oh, yeah, by the way, they also decided to pay Odell Beckham Jr. because, hey, who's better as a quarterback's best friend than a top-five wide-receiving talent? But Odell Beckham Jr. is not smart enough to know what he apparently does not know, which is, dude everybody says they want the truth and they just don't because you can't talk about the places that you work and you it's obvious he's not married because what Odell Beckham jr did when sitting down with Josina Anderson and little Wayne, it was like, why is little Wayne here? That was weird. Do you want to include your agent in the interview? No. Do you want to include your girlfriend in the interview? No. Do You want to include, I don't know, your preacher in the interview. No. How about little Wayne? That sounds like a good idea. Talk that with, say that one to the mirror and see how you react when you hear it in the mirror. I said this when they gave him the new contract, like three months of good behavior. They wanted to get rid of him. They were tired of him between the antics with the other team, between the antics with his own team, between the people he was hanging out out with and the video of him with a woman. And what looked like cocaine, they were like, we're done. And he's like, you know what? No, 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 I'm better. I'm good now. I'm not healthy, but I'll work out on the side. I'll act like I'm a leader. Then he sits down four weeks into the season. And chooses to what he said uh, essentially is telling your wife when she asks you, do I look fat in these pants? You say, you know what you do? You should go to the gym You should eat less carbs. You should drink more water because you look overweight. Honey. He didn't just call out Eli Manning. Go back and listen to the interview. He talks about the energy that they need and that they need heart. What he's saying is we don't play hard. We don't practice hard. Our team has no heart, no courage. What he said. So he said. And then he and then he said our two time Super Bowl champion quarterback stinks, and our new coach doesn't get me the ball, isn't scheming to get me the football. The craziest part about his spat with honesty, right? It was almost as if remember 80s movies where they would invest, they would, they would get a guy, they would sequester him in a room, they'd shine some white light on him. And the guy would start sweating. And all of a sudden, like the white light would make him tell the truth. You guys remember that? Like spy movies. Now they inject you with something. You just can't tell a lie. Was he was asked. Whether he was proud of their record. And he said, yes. So he lied about whether he's proud because Nobody's proud of being one in three. They one in three at the time. Now they're one in four. After Graham Gano makes a 50 million yard field goal to beat them. So he lies about being proud of their record, but then tells the utter truth from his perspective about all that's wrong in the Giants organization. Huh? Say what? But that's because Odell Beckham Jr. Isn't a different guy since he got paid. Because money doesn't change you. It just makes you more of who you are. Oh, that guy's a DB since since winning the lottery. No, he was a DB before he won the lottery. Now it's just a lot more obvious. That's what took place. And anyone defending him has not only never played on a in team sports, but they probably haven't worked in a corporation. Right? go, like, oh, all we do is we want athletes to be honest. Oh, okay. Not to the detriment of others who you work with, who you need in order to help you succeed. Imagine that. And this is not the truth. But imagine if somebody said, hey, God, you work, what is it like to work at Fox? Oh, you know, it's, it's great. You know, John Ramos presses the wrong button like three times an hour. Ryan Music, he's constantly worrying about where he's getting married in like three years. Dan Byer, he's on Twitter instead of updating. Like, right, like again, these things aren't the truth, but if they were the truth, imagine how that would go over. Like, oh, finally, some honesty. Yeah, those are the people you work with. Those are the people who make you look better. Those are the people who are going to help you. I mean, you couldn't do that at home. <laughs> My wife's a lousy cook. She's not a particularly good. Uh, wife, and she's usually too tired when I come to bed. Oh, but I'm super happy being married. That's what he. That's what he did. Me, I'm great. I've never been better. Best shape of my life. You know, I'm a good provider. That's what Odell Beckham Jr. did, said, committed, and that's why his head coach is furious with him. Furious. And if you want to base his success, based upon his productivity, which he was productive yesterday against the Panthers, fine. But the harm he has done has been irreparable to the Giants.
3: Be sure to catch live editions of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at noon Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app.
1: There's a lot about the Raiders taking over um, the StubHub Center, which is in Carson, which is kind of the home of Raider fandom, and that appeared accurate. As a matter of fact, the Chargers really struggled early on the game. The opening drive, scored three points, but then they were struggling to get things going. That's when they found our next guest on a kind of a botched play, and he took it 40 yards to the house, broke the game open and, and changed. The final score is 26-10, to 10, but the Raiders scored a touchdown when they weren't set offensively. The Chargers missed an extra point um, and so it it was a lot bigger whooping than twenty six to ten. Austin Eckler joins us in the Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio. W- what has this been like to play home games in the NFL, but to not have uh, an overwhelming support of the fans?
4: Yeah, first off, it's one for having me. But uh, the the support, you know, it's uh, <laughs> it's been uh, it's been a struggle uh, as far as you know, the fans support. It's not ideal, I would say. Uh, it's kind of we kind of talked about it the other day that what you mentioned, uh, we're kind of in the heart of, you know, Raiders fans. And so we knew the stadium would probably be all black, like it was. And so, you know, it's just time for your team to come together even more. And, you know, because we're playing for our teammates and a team few fans that we got enough fans.
1: You know, it's, it's funny because what I've been told is that, look, look, this year's second year. You've seen this before. It wasn't as bad last year because the Raiders were, you know, in last place. By the time you guys got them at home and beat them, uh, but then a yeah. lot of the a lot of the new guys, especially against the Niners, they ran out. and They were like, "Wait, what?" Like it was the new guys that had to make the adjustment. What do you tell them?
4: You just got to let them know how it's going to be, and you know that's just the reality of you know what we're going to be dealing with. And so come out, hey, like you said, we playing for each other, and a few fans, a few fans in the stands. <laughs> Awesome. And yeah, it's especially for you know a guy like Duran, you know he's at Florida State, they got all the fans and everything. You come out here, like, that dang, really don't even have you know a stadium full of our own fans, you know. So it's it's an adjustment for definitely all of our new guys, and you know just for us in general.
1: You march down the field and you get a field goal. You start kind of feeling good. Your defense gets uh, gets a stop. You get it back and you punt. You punt the next. I think it was three possessions, and then Philip gets the ball snapped to him and he he drops it. And then he picks it up, and there's a rush come from the left-hand side. You're just out there. It's a screen pass. Was it? Was that we you were supposed to be, or did you just kind of make it up on the fly?
4: No, nah, yeah, I was supposed to be out there, and it was a hot, hot pass right now. It's a hot route, so he was supposed to get it out right away. But like you said, he fumbled it and ended up taking a little longer and was a little closer than it should have been. <laughs> you know, ended up working out.
1: It's first and 10 from the Oakland 44. You catch the ball, and for people who haven't seen it, you make one cut to your right, and you got a couple of linemen clearing the way. Plus, two raiders run into each other. Like as soon as you cut to the right, did you see the house? Did you know that this this thing all of a sudden's going to open up?
4: You know, I cut to the right. Yeah, like you said. You know, they ran into each other. Everything's keen and out, and actually had a nice block down the field to just get that touchdown block. And then past then, there was just green grass.
1: Has Antonio Gates uh, told you guys you're all crazy for going to training camp? Right? He. He doesn't go to camp. He comes out. He's still catching footballs. He's probably got to be looking at you like, "What were you guys doing for that month and a half?" Uh,
4: you know, he, he's a little. He's got the experience. You know, he can do that. You know, young guys are still trying to develop our stuff. So, a little different atmosphere. A little different
1: boat. Austin Eckler joining us in the Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio. Your guy that they they split out wide. Um, they even I saw the play where was Melvin scored on a touchdown. Or no, it was a first down. He lined up as fullback. When was the last time did Melvin Gordon does? Has he lined up at fullback ever before?
4: I don't think he's ever done that in the game, no. No, so that was yeah, a little different package. Just give the defense a little different look.
1: Yeah, for, for people who didn't see, they were they were going forward on, I'm going to say it was fourth and short. And you guys me either call a timeout or come out, and you were back at running back. Melvin's at fullback. And it was just a quick handoff to Melvin. He, he got the first down. Yeah. Matter of fact, the CBS announcer said that's probably the first time Melvin Gordon's ever lined up at fullback. So there's some creativity with how you guys are being used. H- have you... Have you hit the potential for it? Because you guys have a, an incredible group in terms of the weaponry, and obviously not having Hunter has changed kind of this group. Um, but yeah. seeing all the different places they've lined you up, have you guys yet to hit your peak level of production offensively?
4: You know, I think we're going to keep changing it up every week, You know, so we can't get schemed, And so I think our level of production is going to keep going up because we're going to keep changing it up. So we're going to give defense a bunch of different looks, and I think we're going to have a lot of success with it.
1: Um, you okay with giving away carries to Melvin Ingram? I
4: don't know about that one. <laughs> if you'd have got the end it might have been different. But I was looking back, I was like, I don't know, Bill.
1: <laughs> yeah, so I, so I, I like you know, it's, it's like, look, you got two really good running backs back there, and then they bring in your, your you know, your defensive end in to try and score a touchdown. I'm sure fantasy yeah. owners weren't very happy about that one.
4: Uh, you know, like I said, I'm assuming I'm once I was back, but hey, we worked out in practice. We thought it was going to be a good play, I just didn't end up working
1: that one. <laughs> uh, Austin Eckler joining us on the Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio. How'd this happen for you? How how did you go from a guy who you know most of America hadn't heard of in college to you know now almost like a household name in the league, right? Like Western State in Colorado. Where is Western State in Colorado?
4: Uh, it's a little mountain town up in uh, the Rocky Mountains. About five thousand people in the town, about twenty five hundred people in the school.
1: <laughs> when did when did you know you were going to stick in the league?
4: Um, shoot, I'd say about midway through uh, the first season is when physically I felt like I could play at this level, and you know I didn't know how much success I would have or anything like that. But that's kind of the the factor when. You come into the league, you're not sure physically, especially in my, my situation, coming from a smaller school, say, like, okay, that's that's the biggest thing, guys, is like, can you physically play in this league? About halfway through, was like, yeah, I could physically do this. And then since then, I've been able to make some plays here and there, and, you know, I'm not looking back.
1: You're from Eaton, Colorado, right? Is that how you, how you pronounce it? Yeah. Okay, so what's in Eaton? It's a tiny town. It's like 5,000 people. Uh, less than 5,000 people. What's what's in it? Like yeah. what, Where's the place where everybody yeah, goes yeah, to hang out? Right? It's a
4: little, a little farm town, you know big on the high school sports we had always had a great support uh from the from the local town but that's just one of those times where everyone knows everyone and you know kind of my group that I grew up with we played all the sports together so we were really close really tight now that helps us all out uh, actually one of my tight ends is the long snapper for the Raiders that we played together and graduated together and so that was pretty cool to you know see him on the field uh, yesterday.
1: That's pretty amazing. Two guys from yeah. from a tiny town of forty five hundred people that, that made it to, to the NFL. So you didn't you still didn't tell me like is there a main street in town and is there one place where you guys <laughs> go there's, have pizza or burgers like is one stoplight. <laughs> <one> st- <one laughs> stop
4: okay, my it's, wife's my I wife's know, from a my, my wife's from a
1: one stoplight town. Is it a sonic? Yeah, is yeah. there a what a burger? What's the what's the what's the joint where you go no, grab some? No, so I, I
4: think they have uh, McDonald's and a uh, Taco Bell, but then they have all like the mom and pop shops. You know, little stores for, you know, apparel, things like that, and then like little restaurants here and there. Uh, it's actually cool. They put a hotel in there. It's along it's a, a highway. It's yeah. like one of those towns, like you drive along a highway and you look around, and like, dang, hey, who would live here? Yeah. It's like one of those.
1: <laughs> now, is there is there a sign up for you yet? Did they go this uh, Eaton Eaton Eaton, <laughs> Colorado, home of Austin Eckler? Took
4: it took took that, a ball uh, 44
1: yards to the house against the Raiders.
4: <laughs> probably not, no, because we have. Uh, I don't know if you know Mitch Unrath. You know he's playing. Uh, I think out in Tampa. You know he's been playing for like eight or nine years. He he's had a couple signs up. Uh, I remember when I went back one time. He had a sign up. He was doing some business in the town, something like that. So well, I don't know if I got one yet.
1: Not not yet. Well, well, it, there's there's still plenty plenty of time. Look, you guys are three and two. The two losses against two undefeated teams. The, the you know the the Chiefs and the Rams now you get a chance against a, a Browns team uh, that's won a game they're, they're two and two what what what's got to change with this team to get you to where you beat the good teams?
4: Uh, I think it's our consistency. You know, that's that's the thing you hear out throughout the entire league. But it's, it's just a true thing. Whoever can be more consistent on that day, is probably going to win the game. And uh, you know, we have like you talked about earlier, we have the tools to. You know, it'll be an explosive offense and things of that nature. So it's just going to come down to always making the plays on that day.
1: Hey, continued health and success. Safe travels to Cleveland. Thanks for joining us, and we'll give a big shout-out to everybody in Eaton, Colorado.
3: Hey, I appreciate it, man. You have a good one. Be sure to catch live editions of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at noon Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific.
1: We kind of set it up for you Friday as Connor's a striker, like a stand-up striker and a counterpuncher, whereas Habib, he'll take you to the ground. He is a grappler. Like, by, by, you know, basically by birth, his dad was. And uh, that, that's how he's... And there's actually video of him wrestling a bear as a kid. That's a bear cub, but it's still a bear. I thought it was awesome. Although, I, I thought it was awesome. um. But then everyone, all anyone's talking about is the brawl afterwards. Like, right? this is the power of the image of a guy going into the stands and people from the stands coming out of the stands and climbing over a cage. And by the way, the whole idea of a cage is to keep people out or to keep people in that cage. There's been no bigger, better sale for not building a wall. than what just happened at UFC, right? Doesn't keep people out. Doesn't keep people in doesn't work. (laughs) But, um, uh, I I understand that people don't like the grappling style, true wrestling style. Get a guy to the ground, make him tap out style. It can be, it's hard. It doesn't translate well on TV. It's one of the reasons that wrestling, which is one of the original five core sports of the Olympics, why it struggles to be on TV. It's an amazing sport. You ever had a kid, my son did it for a year. I want to put him back in it. You ever had a kid do it? Like, man, that's the, it's an incredible sport. Incredible. But um but it's it, it's hard to televise. It's hard to watch because you can't see or understand some of the moves or some of the counterattacks and all the stuff going on. But like he checks every other box though for a guy who should be a villain. Right? Like he's Muslim, he's Russian, now he fights a style nobody likes and he'll go into the stands. But I put the blame for that one on Dana White and on Conor McGregor. Right? Like this, you talk about a dude enough his religion, his family, his country. Like you can tell in boxing, guys are all in on it. Right? Just a way to bring attention to the fight. You get a hardcore Russian dude whose dad was a grappler and he's been trained like since birth to be this dude, be this guy they're not wired like normal humans like ha they can't laugh it off that's why he went into the stands and you may think that looks cool like oh that's that's awesome no not awesome imagine some multi-millionaire billionaire sitting up close and their wife you know tears a, an Achilles tendon or you know gets get people fall into her or somebody gets even worse dies not funny then not funny but that's you know dana let connor do all this talking you know show up late for a press conference where habib leaves like he's not in on all that he's a fighter he is he is like like a like Look, I'm an anti-pit bull guy, not because I have any negative feelings about dogs, but some pit pit bulls have been trained through the years to fight. It's their natural, innate instinct. They can't help themselves. And that's what he is. He's basically like a human pit bull. You hear him talk afterwards, he's sorry, he's apologetic, he's like, but, you know, I just, I couldn't take it. Watching Habib go into the crowd thinking, holy cow, somebody might be really hurt or somebody could die. Like, he didn't even mean to, but he's a trained weapon.
3: Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at FoxSportsRadio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live.
1: The idea that the Philadelphia Eagles, as soon as they got Carson Wentz back, would maintain the level of focus and really dominance as they had last year before he got hurt. And even the Super Bowl, they were able to win when he got hurt is completely obtuse to the reality of sport, the reality of life. Yes, they had players injured whom they have mostly gotten back from injury this year. And yes, they still on paper have a dynamic front seven defensively and they have some good pieces offensively and Carson Wentz, When right, should have won the MVP last year. But he's only in his third year and he's coming off of knee surgery. They did employ Jay Ajayi, who the Dolphins jettisoned midseason, and they got the best of Jay Ajayi. Why? He was trying to prove the entire league wrong. They had a whole team full of people that was trying to prove everybody wrong. They were playing that underdog card. That underdog card is great when you're actually the underdog. Now you're the favorite. And it's different. You don't sneak up on anybody. You don't have anything more to prove. You may say I got something to prove, but you really don't. I already proved it. They won a Super Bowl with one arm tied behind their back. Nick Foles is their quarterback. Right? Won a Super Bowl. So, and they beat the Patriots. However, you want to look at that Patriots team, not playing Malcolm Butler and Brandon Cooks got hurt in the first quarter, didn't play. That doesn't matter. They beat the mighty Patriots in the Super Bowl without their starting quarterback. What will they do when they have their quarterback back? The answer is lose at home to the Vikings. A Vikings team that is massively depleted by injuries. This is a shell of the like and the Vikings. Dan Bailey missed two kicks before he hit the game winner. It wasn't like Dan Bailey was like 54 48, 42, like, damn, they lost to a Like, look, you tip your cap, sometimes you lose to a guy, got a hot kicker, they threw a couple, completed No, Vikings won the game. Vikings beat them. Vikings beat their ass. Do you know why? Because they are everybody's biggest game. It it doesn't mean that you didn't get up for Eagles games or to play at the link and play in Philadelphia in the past, but you got to admit, it's different now, right? Who called the game? you know who called the game? Who are the broadcasters for the game? Want to guess? Go ahead, Ryan Music. Was it Buck and Aikman? I believe it was Joe Buck and Troy Aikman. Do you know why? Because the number one team calls the number one game. The number one game doesn't usually involve uh, Minnesota and Philadelphia. It just doesn't. It doesn't. Unless the Philadelphia Eagles are the defending Super Bowl champions. And now they're the number one. They get... They get they get Bucket Aikman. And Aaron Andrews. They get the first team. They also got the Vikings. They got everybody's attention. Because the last thing you want is to not only get beaten, but get beaten when everybody's paying attention and by the defending Super Bowl champions who want to run their mouths a little bit. We don't want that. Oh, yeah, by the way, last time we came in here, we lost the NFC Championship game with Case Keenum. You you may... You can act unless we're the same. We get the same level of intent. That's fine. The rest of the league does not view you the same. You are not the underdog. And it is the hunt. hunted is different than the hunter. It is completely different in terms of your level. If you go to you go to Vegas, right? And if you're the one guy who's smart enough to get up, get a lead, get up 500 bucks and then take 400 off the table, put it in your pocket and go like, or give it to somebody, walk away, you're not. And then you're just playing with house money. You're not going to play as tight with that house money. You're not. But when you play with your own money, when your rent's on the line, you are tight. You are nervous. Your attention to every car being flipped over every, every different tell at a table, your chip counts low. You're paying attention to everything. I'd love to say that the best of the best, they win, and they just keep that level of focus. Like, there's a reason that the Patriots move on from guys. And they keep getting guys you've never heard of. But if you thought the Philadelphia Eagles were going to be the exact same team, and I will grant you, injuries really related to Alshon. That was a big thing. Carson Wentz coming off an ACL. You're not the same right away. It takes you, takes you six, seven games, maybe even a year before you're actually back. But that offensive line is not good, not blocking people. And if you can and if you can uh handle their pass rush, their defensive backfield's not good. But more than anything, it's just a different world when you're wearing that crown. When you're walking in and you got what everybody else wants, they're coming at you a little bit harder. They're preparing a little bit more. And it matters at a different little bit higher level than it matters to them.
3: Be sure to catch live editions of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at noon Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app.
1: Let's get to Trent Dilfer, who's a Super Bowl champion, frequent contributor to the show. He joins us in the Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio. We were just talking about Philadelphia and the Eagles and how um, it's different when you're the Super Bowl champions and how people prepare for you differently. And you may not think you're preparing differently, but you are, in fact. How much does it change when you win the big game?
2: Yeah, I think that's a big part of it, Doug. I do think you know you have a giant target on your chest each week. People have studied you all off season. Um, there's an extra level of preparation. but I also think you know that those Eagles players and coaches uh, had a very different experience this off season. They had access to more stuff. They had more. Distractions, people pouring perfume on them everywhere they went. And just human nature is you're going to start believing it. You're going to start believing that you're going to come back the next season and it's just going to happen all over again. And So I think that's why it's so hard for these teams um, when they have success to come back the next year and match the previous year's success outside of the Patriots. And I think what the Patriots have done, what every team needs to do a better job of modeling, is they reinvent themselves each year. And they don't rest on the previous year's successes. And they know um, very well that the challenges are, e- are even more um, difficult the following year after having success. And I think all these things add up, and the Eagles just have not handled the success of last year very well.
1: Okay, uh, but now what about in terms of their play? Why is their offensive line struggling so badly?
2: You know, when you when, and again, I think there's a lot of reasons. Um, but to me the biggest thing is they've lost that ability in must-run situations. They can run the ball, but the must-run, when everybody knows you're going to run, that extra physicality, um, that ability to look across the line of scrimmage, hey, we're we're running it right now, and you try to stop us. I think when you're able to do that, it sets up all the other things they like to do in their offense, especially the RPOs. They're a very big RPO team. Um, teams don't have to honor those RPOs if there's not the threat of that um, physicality in the run game. I think that's the biggest thing. I do think since Carson's come back, he's held the ball a little long, too. I don't see him making as crisp decisions early in plays as I did last year. Um, Part of that's probably the limited offseason, limited training camp. Um, But he, he, he seems to be holding the ball a little bit longer than last year, and all those things start adding up, and it looks like the offensive line's just A disaster, but when really it's a sum of a a lot of different things.
1: Um, Let's go to last night. Dallas Cowboys, fourth and one from the uh, Texans 43 yard line, and Jason Garrett decides to punt. What was your reaction when he made that decision?
2: I understood it. You know, I'm not saying they're freaking out about it. I understood why he did it. You know, they're trying to create an identity as a football team of defense first, control the ball. Built around Ezekiel and be opportunistic in the passing game, so it fits kind of what they're trying to be. Now, personally, I, I'm a big believer in this new, you know, what is it, momentum of going for it on a lot of fourth downs, and the numbers are in your favor. And I think at that part, that time of the game, that part of the field, um, personally, I think he should have gone for it. And I bet you he's regretting the decision this morning. Um, but I also also understood. Uh, in context of what the Cowboys are this year, why they decide to punt and pin and try to play defense?
1: Yeah, and it wasn't like the Texans were marching up and down the field. And no. I, I, I do uh, think that people don't realize maybe forty-three yard line. I, I, I here's what I take from it: you and me, we probably go for it, right? We got a special play. We got a special group of plays for just that sort of situation that we try and execute, and we we go for it. On the other hand, if you don't get it, you're one or two completions away from losing the game, as opposed to if you kick it and you do it right, now all of a sudden you're you know, two or three plays from getting the football back and winning the game.
2: Yeah, and I, I was watching our buddy Tim Hasselback today on um, TV, and he made a great argument for why to punt it. They've been stinking in the run game. They were getting manhandled yep. up front. Yep. They are The edges were being set by the Texans. So when you're seeing that as a head coach, one, okay, we're not going to run the ball. We just lost yardage on third down. Two, okay, let's boot it. it it's been hard bootlegging. They've had a hard time getting back out and breaking contain. So really all those short yardage plays that you would go to, you know, the the way the game's going is like we're not gonna be able to execute these. Okay, well let's throw a slant receiver. Who? Who's your big alpha receiver that can go in and body up first man and make the play? So they're kind of I can kinda of understand it more based on how the game was the temperament of the game, it seemed to me like and I'm sure Jason Garrett felt the same way. We're just getting our butts kicked. We have a better chance to pump this thing down, play good defense, and get it back in good field position and start over again.
1: Ted for joining us in the Doug Gottlieb Show here on Fox Sports Radio. Um, it feels like Derek Carr regressed yesterday. Am I wrong?
2: Honestly, I have not seen the whole game. I've just seen highlights. Um, three end zone interceptions is three too many. One's a lot. Like, if you play a season and you throw one interception in him, that's a lot. Um, he's throwing three. I think that's the biggest issue. Uh, he's a very, very gifted passer. Um, I kind of like old, what they're trying to do offensively. Um, but it seems, I think Gruden mentioned this about the try too hard, it seems like there's some anxiety in his game. Uh, you look at the interceptions he's thrown, you look at the first down interceptions he's thrown, you look at kind of the situations where they haven't been able to put points on the board. And it appears to me that there's a little anxiety in his game. Very correctable. I think he will. He's a very talented player. But so far this season, it has not been his best football and, and especially in critical moments.
1: Uh, Drew's probably going to pass Peyton's mark tonight. How has he been able to do this, right? You're not supposed to be able to either be that small or that old and be this effective. How has the Drew Brees thing happened?
2: That's a great question. Um, I mean, he's the ultimate pro. I'll start there. Um, You know, the common denominator when you talk about the Mannings and the Bradys and the Rivers and the Breezes and whoever you want to put on your list, um, they're they're just the ultimate pros. They just out-prepare everybody else. They have a beautiful mind for the game. Um, I think the synergy he has with Sean Payton has really helped and he mentioned that in an interview as well. There's so many people to thank, and Sean's one of them. I mean, just the belief the Saints had in him after his time in San Diego, Sean Payton especially, that simpatic relationship he has with the play caller for all these years. Um, he's obviously very talented. He's a very gifted passer. He's a phenomenal foot athlete. I mean, people don't give him enough credit for, especially in his younger years, what a great athlete he was. Um And I just think he's he's one of those passers that kind of created his own way of doing it. And he didn't try to be like anybody else. He just tried to be the best version of himself. And it's become a pretty awesome version. I I have nothing but admiration for the man and the player. And it's been fun because you know what I do with the the youth kid with the high school kids too. We use him as teaching tape. Like we use Drew Brees as one of our best examples of of how to – how to play the game, how to pass, how to play the position of quarterback. He just kind of does – he checks every box. If there's 30 layers, to, if there's 30 boxes to check in being a great quarterback, he checks all 30.
1: Trent Dilfer joining us in the Doug Gottlieb Show. Follow him on Twitter at Dilfer's Dimes. Check out the Elite11.com, the nation's premier quarterback competition, something that he's run for years. Um, speaking of the young quarterbacks, rookies 4-0, and 4-0 yesterday. Who's uh, – Whose performance was the most impressive of those rookies?
2: I really liked how Darnold play, uh, played. Um, big boy throws, um, getting full field reads. You know, a couple of those chunk throws he makes down the field. He's not staring them down. You know, he's he's looking away first. He's getting back to the other side of the field. Uh, playing around with safeties uh, with his eyes. You know, just, just some gradual-level stuff and the big boy throws. I mean, those were... Those are some phenomenal throws. And I, I like how he's handled the adversity so far this season. I just like his overall makeup. I, I just really believe he's going to be a superstar. And yesterday you could see a lot of it.
1: Odell Beckham Jr., I was critical of him. Like, look, dude, you can't – when you say your team doesn't have energy, that means you, your coach isn't getting you to play hard. When you say heart, like you, you you attack how uh, uh, NFL players' heart. Like, good luck with that in the locker room. And then, of course, he said, I, I feel like I'm being schemed out. I'm not being utilized well. And he said something about Eli not throwing the ball downfield. Look, I I don't think you can utter all of these things, but that's me. I haven't lived in an NFL locker room, only basketball locker rooms. How do you think it was handled within the locker room?
2: Terrible. I, I mean, it goes against everything. Um, it goes against everything you want to be as a as a team player. It just it rips apart the team dynamics. It creates a bunch of messes for everybody else to come clean up for you. Now, Monday and Tuesday days for reflection and um, getting better and moving on to the next week, Monday and Tuesday, now you're dealt with having to deal with Odell Beckham stuff. You have an answer for him. You're having to deal with excess media stuff. Uh, It's just the big, hot, stinking pile of you-know-what when a player becomes that selfish and and uses that form to express his frustrations. Now, I think everything he said – there's some truth to it. Sure, but it should have been said privately um, to management or coaches or team meetings or something besides a, a cheesy sit down with Josina, uh, for the world to see. I, I just it was so bad. I, I was blown away, um, and I really like Odell. I, you know, I've gotten to know him over the years, and I really like the kid. Um, I thought this was. It, just all bad. Yeah. I can't think of any other way of saying just all bad.
1: Okay, but but the the naysayer will say, hey, look, they went out, they played, they probably could have won or should have won the game, not for a 57-yard field goal. What's the big deal?
2: I don't care what the naysayer says. I've been in a locker room my entire life, and all these things play out. It's all bad. There's not nothing good is going to come out of that. Um, they may play better. Um, they may do some things that have nothing to do with that, but, being part of a football team, no matter how good you are, no matter what your role is, um, you have to look at it as something bigger than yourself uh, if, you get, if you're get, if you going to be good. And that had everything to do with Odell Beckham Jr. Nothing to do with the team.
1: Doug Gottlieb, show Fox Sports Trader. That's the voice of Trent Dilfer. Trent uh, Aaron Rodgers admittedly played poorly in the first half. Two fumbles, but now, look, it wasn't his fault. They missed five kicks, four field goals, and an extra point. What do you think is going on with Rodgers, though, that he got off to such a bad start?
2: I mean, obviously, he's playing banged up. I think that is a big part of it. Um, it's, it's hard. I mean, a lot of quarterbacks are doing it, but it's hard to be at your best when physically you're not there. Um, I, they've had some injuries at receiver, so there's some timing stuff that's going on. I've never been a believer. I, I know people talk about how good their tackles are in pass protection. I don't see it. I, I don't think they're a great offensive line. I think that is part of it. Um, but, I mean, it's uh, Aaron plays at such a high level. He has set the bar so high um, that when it doesn't look the same, um, people tend to freak out. Uh, to me, I thought outside the two fumbles, uh, it. Seem like Aaron to me. Um, he seemed like he was playing at a very, very high level, especially in the second half. Uh, I don't think this is a, a, a reason to panic. I just think that you know they're a team, they're an offense that relies so much on him that if he is off at all, uh, it looks much worse than it really is. Highly
1: leverage, highly leverage. Trent Dilfer, Trent, uh, great stuff. Thanks so much for joining us, man. Appreciate it. Thanks, buddy. T.D. joining us on the Doug Gottlieb Show. Check him out on Twitter at Dilfer's Dimes. Check out the Elite11.com Nation's Premier Quarterback Camp. He's the Nation's Premier Quarterback Guru. At bed
0: 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off, grand slam, or a base hit to center field. Now, I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love.
3: Zumo Play.